season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. As you can tell through this Fort Wayne baseball series, the 260 area is crawling with baseball talent. Nobody does a better job at promoting that Fort Wayne baseball talent than Old Fort Baseball. Not only are they the sponsor of the Fort Wayne baseball series here on the JKR podcast, but they also support local baseball of Fort Wayne's past, present, and future through apparel and design. They celebrate teams like the Fort Wayne Daisies, Fort Wayne Kikiangas, and much more. Ever since Old Fort's establishment, they have constantly partnered with local teams and organizations to help promote them. Go give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, that's going to be at Old Fort Baseball Co. And on Twitter, it's going to be at Old Fort B-Ball Co. Go give them a follow. Go check it out. But with that being said, let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Cincinnati, former Cincinnati Bearcat, current Chicago White Sox pitching prospects. We got Garrett Shanley on the podcast, Fort Wayne native here for the Fort Wayne baseball series I'm doing on the JKR podcast. Going to be the final episode of the Fort Wayne baseball series. Garrett, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Of course. Glad to have you. Um, So one question I do like to start off the podcast with, I ask everybody I get on is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Garrett Shanley? Yeah, well, Garrett Shanley is, is first and foremost a, a minor league baseball player, obviously from, from Fort Wayne, Indiana, as you mentioned. Um, But I mean, just a little bit about me kind of outside of baseball, like, uh, you know, Went through four years of college, obviously, uh, as you said, at Cincinnati. Uh, so I've been on the path of, of grinding to play baseball, but uh, also want to be a teacher if, if baseball doesn't work out. So uh, I do some some substitute teaching in my off season. Uh, other than that, I'm big into golf when I'm not playing baseball, and um, I, I love music as well. So that's just kind of you know a little little tidbits about me outside of of my life as a baseball player. Okay. And when you are, when, when it does come time for, you know, to teach, hopefully that's not, you know, until 15, 17 years from now, uh, what is that topic that you, you're wanting to, you know, uh, teach um, in, in school? Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, growing up, my dad uh, is in education as well. He's a middle school teacher uh, and he's, he's been a social studies teacher for a little over 20, 22 years now, um, 21 years. So uh, for me, it's, it's something that I've caught on to as well. So when it, if if the time comes and I, I have to have to transition to education, history will be uh, will be the subject I'll be in. OK. And how's that experience been subbing so far? Are you subbing there at Northrop or are you going around the Fort Wayne area? Yeah, so I've actually been at uh, my old middle school where my dad also teaches at uh, Jefferson Middle School. So kind of kind of giving back uh, to the place where I once was, uh, you know, and it's not just about about teaching the topics that are in school. I love to try to connect with the kids uh, because, you know, I was once that kid that sat in those desks that they are. So that's a big thing for me, giving back to, to the places that I've been, not just Jefferson, but uh, try to uh, with the kids at Northrop as well. Um, and obviously still have contacts in Cincinnati. So just for me, it's about uh, sharing my experiences. Uh, and like I said, giving back to those people, uh, who are the the kids that I once was. Yeah. So with that experience that you have so far, you know, being a substitute teacher there at Jefferson, what was, you know, maybe that toughest 
transition process of going from, you know, a student there at Cincinnati to now, you know, subbing there in the off season. Uh, what is, what has been, you know, some of the toughest things, you know, actually going and being, you know, in charge of that classroom. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the toughest thing uh, about anything, and, and it kind of goes along with uh, the grind of minor league baseball is the fact that uh, substitute teaching is, is kind of how I provide for, for myself, my family um, outside of, of baseball season. I'm sure you know, some people know, uh, people have talked about the struggles of, of being a minor league baseball player financially uh, and what that can bring. So um, it, it substitute teaching is a way for me right now to, to kind of make make my living outside of baseball because I don't get paid in the offseason. Uh, but like I said, for me, it's also about giving back. So I enjoy being there. Um, and I also help coach the basketball team there as well. So it, it keeps me busy and, and I love doing it. So um, you know, I know if that's something I have to fall back on, if baseball doesn't end up working out uh, as, as long as I hope it does, uh, that, that could be something that I know I'll enjoy. Okay. I'm sure. So you said you, you, you went to Northrop, like I said, you're a Northrop graduate, I believe 2017. So let's throw it back, you know, five, six years from now, just a couple questions about, you know, high school and travel ball before you uh, became a Cincinnati Bearcat. So just take us time and take us through your time before you ended up there at Cincinnati, whether that's, you know, your high school seasons at Northrop, uh, potentially playing travel ball. I was doing some research, couldn't find out which travel ball team you were a part of um, throughout high school. So just take us through that experience a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, kind of throwing it back to uh, what would have been 20, 2014 uh, would have been my first spring uh, baseball season in high school. Um, I was never really uh, big on the, the travel circuits before I had gotten into high school. For me, it was uh, important that I played different sports and that I was staying active and doing things other than baseball. So I was, I was a, a three-sport athlete for a while. I played football and basketball uh, along with baseball. Um, so I, I, I kept myself busy with those different things throughout the year, uh, obviously transitioning from season to season, but, um, just at Northrop, um, as a freshman, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was exciting for me because I was one of those kids who just had like the ultra confidence that I was, I was going to be successful. Um, and I remember a story, uh, my, my high school, my freshman year English teacher was, was asking in the room, like, Hey, what do you guys like, who are you and what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm, I'm Garrett Shanley and I'm, I'm going to be on the baseball team. And she was like, have they even had baseball tryouts yet? And I was like, well, no, but like, I, I'm pretty positive. I'm going to be on this baseball team here. So uh, for me, that, that kind of mentality has carried me through my entire career, but at Northrop, um, it kind of came to fruition as a freshman when I got the opportunity to play varsity baseball there as a freshman, uh, actually got my first career start on the mound uh, in a game against Snyder high school at Parkview field. Um, so that was exciting for me. Um, and then when it came to the summers, um, after that high school baseball season was over, I played, I played one summer of what I would call competitive travel baseball. Um, I played with the summit city sluggers. Um, and I spent my summer with them, uh, just, uh, competing and, and trying to have fun, you know, got to travel some different places that I had never been. Um, like I mentioned, I didn't really play on the travel circuit before that. So, uh, I'd stayed pretty local. So that was a fun experience for me. And, and then moving on the, the next four years at Northrop or the next three years, uh, it was just kind of the same situation. Like I was always grinding and, and trying to prove myself uh, to give myself some opportunities, uh, hoping that I would one day play at the collegiate level and, and the professional level. So you said you only played one season there of actually competitive travel baseball. And for the most part, I know for like nowadays, 
um, a couple, you know, in like, I guess, 2022, um, I've kind of gotten to learn that, you know, travel ball is kind of the main way that a lot of athletes, you know, go about the recruiting process. Like that's how a lot of collegiate coaches see players. So for you only playing one season there for the Summit City Sluggers, how did that whole recruiting process shake out for you? And what was the main way of contact that, you know, you started contacting uh, collegiate coaches? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it was a little bit different for me, I think. Um, and, and talking with, with my parents, uh, and my dad, who is, uh, a division, a former division two baseball player himself. Uh, he spent some time, uh, coaching high school baseball here in the area at both Elmhurst high school and Northrop high school. Um, it, it was, it was one of those things where he always believed that if you're good enough, they'll find you. Um, and I, I mean, I kind of took that and I ran with it. I, I, I never went to, I never went to the PBR camps. Um, I spent that one summer with the sluggers obviously, but after that I was, I was playing, I think what was considered senior league, uh, at St. Joe little league here in Fort Wayne. Um, and I, my, like, it was just more fun than anything for me. Like, um, I was playing shortstop left-handed third base, like just trying to be like an athlete. Um, and obviously I was still mixing in, uh, summer football workouts at that point. Um, so when it got further and further into the recruiting process, I think it was about, uh, the beginning of my junior season, uh, at Northrop, I got to the point where I was like, okay, like I know some of the other like good prospects in our state are starting to commit to colleges and, and I'm sitting here with zero offers. Um, and, at that point, I had had a couple of, of decent football seasons, uh, and I was starting to get some letters about uh, football, uh, going on to play quarterback. So I had taken some visits. Uh, I went on some unofficial visits at, at Purdue um, for football. Um, and at that point, we had gotten through my junior year of baseball, and I was like, okay, well, what do I do at this point? Like, baseball is my love, but I'm starting to get these contacts for football. Like, if I don't get anything for baseball, what do I do from here? Um, and then kind of back to, like I said, my dad's philosophy of if you're good enough, they'll find you. Uh, my 2016 Northrop team was incredibly successful. We won our conference. Uh, we ended up winning our sectional. Um, we went on to, to the regional uh, at Lafayette Jeff and we played against Carmel. And I got an opportunity to pitch in that game. And, you know, it was kind of just a stroke of luck that uh, PBR happened to be there. Uh, they, they took a video of me in that game. And it ended up out on social media. A couple of college coaches had seen it. And then I had started to hear things about baseball. And at that point, things started to turn like that. Like I had heard from four, five schools, like almost immediately uh, at the end of my junior season. Um, so I started to go on visits. I went to, to Indiana, Purdue, Ball State, uh, and then later Cincinnati. Um, so th that recruiting thing, I wasn't like one of those a lot of the kids you see these days where they're getting recruited sophomore, early junior year. Um, for me, it was, it was very late. It was right before my senior year when I committed. So um, very, very different situation for me, but it's something that I was very thankful for and a situation that I was definitely grateful to be in. And it, it kind of made me who I am today. Yeah. So with the football recruiting process, you know, starting before that baseball recruiting process, um, was there ever a thought in your mind that you'd go play collegiate football while this whole baseball recruiting process was going on? You did mention that baseball is your first love. So did once that baseball stuff ramped up, did you kind of put football to the side? Yeah. I mean, as soon as, as soon as I started getting baseball calls, like football was, was put on the side burner. Um, uh, 
I, like I said, I, I played three sports and I love being an athlete. Like it's something I've always done. I'll compete in anything I do, but uh, baseball was so important to me that I knew that's what I wanted to do. When I got those calls, it was okay. We're, we're going all in on baseball. Like, I think I remember a point where I got pretty upset because like I said, I wanted to play baseball and I was getting these football calls and I was like, okay, well, if I have to play football, like, are we going to play football? Um, and I think most people looking at a, a six foot three string bean who was, you know, 170 pounds trying to play quarterback uh, at a high level of football. Like I, I probably wouldn't have made it there. Uh, so I'm very thankful uh, that I ended up going the path that I did, but um, yeah, that those recruiting processes, as, as fun as they were, they were a little stressful because uh, I didn't necessarily get attention as quick on the baseball scene as, as I had hoped. Yeah. So in between that junior in between that junior and senior year that summer, uh, what was as you were going through the recruiting process, you said, you know, you went on visits to IU, Ball State, Purdue, Cincinnati. Uh, what were some of those key things that you were looking for and what was it that, you know, put Cincinnati over that edge? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I didn't really know what I was looking for in a college, like as far as everything outside of, of baseball, like I knew I wanted to play uh, division one baseball, like that was the goal. Um, and I went on these visits and, and my parents had made it clear that like, like you need to go to a good school. You need to go somewhere where you can know, you know, you can get your education, um, a, a degree that'll be respected um, and have an opportunity to open other doors for yourself should baseball not work out. Um, so uh, we went to Indiana. My parents are both Indiana alumni. So they thought that was the place for me. And, and it, I had a, I had a good visit there and I enjoyed it, but it just didn't feel like the school for me. And then we went to Purdue and it was kind of the same story. Like it didn't feel like the school for me. Uh, and Ball State was actually a school that kind of, hit me it was the third school I visited um and when I went there and I, I met with coach Maloney uh there at Ball State I felt pretty comfortable and I was like okay maybe this is the place that I'll I'll end up at um and then Cincinnati entered the mix and we went down there and like as soon as I hit campus there and, and saw everything like I was blown away and it didn't take long at all to realize that uh that was the place for me and I think my parents realized it first because uh as I had mentioned, like I felt so comfortable with Ball State. I thought Ball State was going to be it. Um, but then it, it hit me and, and Cincinnati became uh, the place I wanted to be. And it became home very quickly after that. So, yeah. So when you were going through that recruiting process and went to Cincinnati, was that the time that Ian Happ was there or had he already been drafted at that point? Uh, Ian Happ had already been drafted. I don't remember what year um, that he was drafted, but it was, it was either two or three years before I had gotten there. I can't remember what draft he was a part of, but he was not there when, when I had um, gone on my visit. So it had to have been uh, two years before I got to school. Okay. Cause I knew he made his MLB debut in 2017. I just wasn't sure if that, like how that timeline looked um, when you were at your time at Cincinnati did like, was Ian Happa like a big part of, you know, like, was he like the biggest baseball alumni at that point? Um, or, or have there been some other guys from Cincinnati to, you know, make it to the major leagues and go through the minors? Yeah. So, um, I mean, when it came to, to the recruits or not the recruits, sorry, the, the alumni or the baseball players that had been through there, um, I didn't really know anything about guys who had been through Cincinnati, like, um, I, I think at one point I had, I said to my dad, I was like, I honestly didn't know Cincinnati even had a baseball team. 
uh, before they started recruiting me. But um, after I got in there and, and learned some things, uh, Ian Happ was was the most current uh, guy from there to, to kind of make a splash and, and make his way to the big leagues. But we've also had other alumni like Josh Harrison, um, who was also with the White Sox this past season. Uh, and then two of the bigger ones we had was was Kevin Euclid. Uh, and then uh, Sandy Koufax actually spent uh, a year or two at Cincinnati as well. So um, those are the people that were kind of enshrined uh, within the baseball facilities at, at Cincinnati. Um, and obviously we've got some other guys who uh, were a little bit older than me and a couple guys that I play with that are also in minor league baseball now. But uh, it, as far as the other guys go, like seeing the guys like Ian Happ and, and Josh Harrison and legendary guys like Euclid and, and Koufax. Uh, it was, it was pretty cool to, to learn about and think that I've played at the same place that they once went to school and played baseball at. Yeah. So you said your freshman year. So I got one last question about high school and then we'll just completely forget about it. Dig into where you're at right now. Uh, but you did mention that you made your high school debut pitching at Parkview field. So that's something cool, you know, uh, that the Fort Wayne area does for, you know, local high school teams. I remember that's probably some of my best experiences when I was playing high school ball was going to Parkview Field that one time a year and facing whoever the hell you faced. But when it does come time to, you know, look at the Fort Wayne baseball competition and what the whole area looks like, what does, you know, Indiana high school baseball or just, I guess, Fort Wayne high school baseball in general, what does that competition level look like? What did that look like when you were, um, you know, playing high school ball there at Northrop? Uh, who were some guys you were facing, potentially some guys who, you know, still playing pro ball or overall, just what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, uh not necessarily even just baseball. Like you just look at the athletes that were in Fort Wayne, uh, but the, the guys that were uh, on the baseball field, I got to face guys like like Jesse Bates, who's a safety with the Cincinnati Bengals now. Um, uh, uh, Austin Mack, another football guy who also played baseball in their time here in Fort Wayne. Um, and then guys who were also in my grade class, like Trevor Armstrong, who went to Snyder, went on to play uh, baseball at Purdue Fort Wayne. Um, and there was other guys like the competition in our area is is I, I would consider unparalleled. Like everyone wants to think the indie baseball area is is where all that talent's at, but you take a trip up uh, up to Fort Wayne and you can find guys who are just as good, if not better. Um, and that's the kind of talent pool that we had when I was in high school. So to get to face those guys uh, was, you know, it was. Uh, quite a treat because you never know what guy you were going to see who was kind of going to jump on the scene the guys that you were going to be worried about um I, I mean other guys like Grant Richardson I got to face uh face off against Grant and um so those facing those guys and seeing that kind of talent early was was definitely um kind of a, a springboard into what I would see in college obviously you you make another jump when you get to that level but there was plenty of plenty of guys in Fort Wayne that had the talent to play uh, high level baseball. And I think it showed. Yeah. So let's dig into that 2017 MLB draft. So you said you kind of jumped onto the scene baseball recruiting wise in between your junior senior year when prep baseball report was at that sectional regional game. I forget what you said, uh, but just take us through that 2017 MLB draft cycle. Uh, when was it that, you know, scouts started expressing interest um, and just take us through, you know, that whole spring going into that 2017 summer. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, the the college recruiting process was kind of like that. Uh, and then I went through the summer after my junior year. I was getting ready to play football, all the workouts and stuff. And I don't even remember when exactly it started, but it was some point in the fall uh, of my senior year that I had started to get uh, some calls and texts and, and 
emails uh, with questionnaires from MLB teams, basically saying that they were interested. Uh, and at that point, I'm sitting there like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I literally just signed uh, my uh, letter of intent to go play at Cincinnati. Like, now I got to worry about if I'm going to have an opportunity to play professional baseball. Like, I'm 18 years old at this point, not even knowing what I'm looking for uh, when it comes to college, let alone uh, the professional level where I can get paid to do what I love, which was always the goal. Um, so that process was also kind of a whirlwind. I started getting questionnaires and, and talking to different scouts and stuff in the fall. Uh, and then we came to the spring and at that point it was like, okay, like let's just go out there and perform and see what happens. Um, and I ended up having a, a really good senior season. Um, and I, again, like the calls started coming in more, the questionnaire started coming in more and we were getting closer and closer to the end of my high school season pulling up to the draft and I'm like okay well what happens now and again like a situation that I didn't know what was going on at that point I didn't have an agent I didn't even have an advisor I was kind of relying on on my high school coach and, and my dad to kind of guide me through uh, what was going to end up being the best decision for me um, and then I had some contact with uh, the Reds area scout here uh, about a month before the draft and then leading up saying that they were pretty interested um, and then we got to the point where everyone talks about signability, uh, when major league teams are going to draft a high school kid, like they got to know what the odds are that they're actually going to sign with them as opposed to, uh, making the decision to go to college. Cause some kids will just decide right away. Like, listen, I'm not ready for, for professional baseball. I'm going to go to college. And then you guys can talk to me later. Um, but me not knowing what I was looking for, I, I kind of entertained both options. Uh, had my college coach asking me like, Hey, are you going to, you're going to end up at school or you're going to go with the draft. So it was kind of a sticky situation per se. Like I didn't know what decision to make. And then I got the call um, during, during the draft in 2017 that I had been selected by the Reds in, in the 30th round. Uh, so I was excited for that. Um, and again, not knowing what I was looking or what was going to be the best decision for me, I had to sit down and talk about uh kind of weigh the options, what was going to be more valuable, going to college and uh, at least starting my education or jump right into pro ball and do what I've always wanted to do at, at a younger age and hopefully develop and give myself a chance to get to the big leagues. Yeah. So how long was that process? You know, I'm sure you're talking to your high school coach, your college coach, obviously your family. How long did that whole time period take going from you get that call from the Cincinnati Reds um, to where you're like, OK, Cincinnati going to college for, you know, at least three years. Oh, that's going to be my best option. How long did that process take? And obviously you can't dig into this whole bunch, but like what were some of those conversations like? Yeah. Um, so the whole process, like I said, I, I started getting calls and stuff saying that teams were interested about a month before the draft. Um, uh, and then after the draft, I believe it's a full 30 days is what they call like the, the signing period or whatever, basically from the time that you're actually selected to the time you have to declare whether or not you're going to uh, sign with the professional team. Um, so I had to have those conversations again, and it was about weighing what was more valuable to me going to college or playing professional baseball. Um, and I was also trying to balance like the end of my high school career. I was selected to play in the, the Indiana North South all-star game. So I was spending the weekend there. I was, you know, talking to other people, doing interviews and stuff about the potential of winning uh, Mr. Indiana baseball. So uh, it was, it was quite an exciting time. Uh, and, and the conversations were, you know, 
about not only college, but finances as well. Like, could the Reds give me enough money to keep me out of college, basically? Um, and then we ended up deciding, like, uh, it, it's probably more valuable for me to go to college. Like, the money that they offered me was not worth the value of at least starting my education because I had that opportunity. So I I called my college coach and I said, hey, like, I'm about to call the Reds and, and tell them that I'm going to I'm going to decide to go to to the University of Cincinnati instead of signing with the Cincinnati Reds. And and that's what I did. And just another opportunity that I took and ran with. But uh, for me, it was uh, slightly different um, because uh, I was expecting that I wasn't going to be in college that long. So as old as I was for my grade, I knew I was going to be a sophomore eligible draft in college. Um, and I totally expected like, okay, now that I've chose college, like I've only got to be here for two years, like that's it. Um, and I kind of, I think I took that for granted a little bit and put myself in some tough situations, uh, and, and then kind of underperformed, uh, to the spot where I, I ended up back at Cincinnati, uh, for 2020, the COVID year. And then the COVID year kind of sucked for me because that was another opportunity I had to get out of school and with the draft cut short, I didn't have an opportunity there. So I ended up as a four-year college guy and uh, all in all came full circle and four years of college and a professional baseball opportunity. Like I couldn't have asked for more at that point. Yeah. So with your plan now, you know, obviously everyone plans stuff and a lot of times that, you know, they don't go as scheduled, like you hit some roadblocks um, as you were going through that and you had that two-year plan of, you know, I'm gonna go to Cincinnati, dominate as a freshman, sophomore, hopefully get drafted again. And that doesn't happen for you. Um, Did you hit you know, maybe some, you know, mental roadblocks there where you're like maybe second guessing your decision to, you know, sign there in 2017 or for the most part were you thinking, okay, well, let's, let's just keep, you know, going at it and going at it every day. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there was ever any second guessing my decision to sign with with the University of Cincinnati. Um, being a Bearcat is is what I wanted to do from the time that I had, uh, verbally committed, not even signed my letter of intent. When I when I verbally committed, I knew that was going to be the place for me. But there was definitely times where I thought about the what ifs, the what if I would have signed with the Reds and and not ever gone to college. But you know, those aren't the things that matter. Like kind of staying firm in my my beliefs and having confidence in myself uh, to take a gamble on myself um could could I have signed out of high school absolutely would I have been in the position that I am now definitely not like I don't regret it in any way shape or form because I believe I made the best decision for myself and and, uh, things all ended up working out did they work out the same way probably not but um it's it's something that I'll I'll never regret because uh, I I've got myself in the position that I am today. I'm, I've become the person that I am today, the athlete that I am, uh, and I couldn't ask for anything else. Okay, so you go through that 2017 summer, you end up there at Cincinnati. What was that? You know, that toughest transition to that collegiate that collegiate game compared to high school or even you know tr- the. Well, I guess what was what was that toughest transition going to you know playing Division One baseball there at Cincinnati uh, from going to, uh, from high school baseball in Fort Wayne? Yeah, um, I think the toughest transition for me, honestly, was settling in with the fact that I was you know going to have to be a pitcher um, in high school. I had this uh, thought that I was going to be like. I was going to end up being a position player instead of a pitcher because I had always loved playing first uh, and, and hitting as well. Pitching was kind of secondary to me, even though 
it was quite clear that I had more talent there. Um, and so I actually went into Cincinnati as a two way. Um, and I hit and played first as well as pitching in the fall, uh, there my first year. And, and unfortunately dealt with some, some injuries, uh, when I came back in the spring semester that kept me out until, uh, I believe it was the end of April or the beginning of May when I finally was able to make my collegiate debut. Um, but at that point, like I was all in on being a pitcher. I was trying to do whatever I could to, to get me to the spot where I wanted to be. Um, and I had had a pretty successful uh, stint there uh, in 2018. Um, I think I only had four or five outings. Um, I was coming out of the pen. I was throwing one, one inning at a time because of my pitch count coming back from injury. But uh, I had all the confidence in the world. Like, that first year, I, I made my debut against Kansas at home, got to shut them down on a Sunday, uh, walking away with a series sweep. I got to go to Wichita State. I got to face Alec Bohm, who was at Wichita State before um, getting drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies. That's that's a big leaguer now. Um, and I, I kind of never failed, even all the way through high school and up through that first year of college. Like, I had never faced failure. I'd face setbacks with my injury, but the confidence was still like through the roof. Um, so then moving on to my sophomore year, uh, that's when the the challenges really hit. And I realized how much of a grind it was uh, to, you know, jump from the high school to the division one level. Uh, and it kind of got, kind of got beat down a little bit by, by the competition um, playing in the American athletic conference. I got to face some, some absolute dudes. Um, and like it's just so much different than high school when you look at the hitters and and how disciplined they are and and how good some of the athletes are so when you see that it's some people can kind of get intimidated by it I wouldn't say that I was necessarily intimidated by by anything because like I said like my confidence was just probably too high like I wasn't afraid of anything and that almost to a fault but uh, when I did face those setbacks that's kind of when I got to the point of like thinking about is like, is this baseball thing really going to work out or do I need to come up with another idea of, of what I'm actually going to be able to do with my life? So you said that um, if it wasn't for, you know, your four years at Cincinnati, you wouldn't be the person that you are today. Um, So just looking back at your four years there at Cincinnati, what were some of the biggest ways that, you know, you grew as a person, as a ball player? And then what would you even credit, you know, that Cincinnati coaching staff to just uh, developing you, developing you the most? Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me is like just using those four years to grow up. Um, when I went to Cincinnati, I was, I was 18 years old, uh, actually 19. Uh, and like, like I said, it was one of those things I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew I was there to play baseball. Um, and I, I'd faced uh, some, some struggles off the field. Um, and academically, like it wasn't what I, wanted to have to do like I kind of put actually being at school on uh like second hand uh or secondary to baseball um I was just focused on baseball and being there and kind of let myself slide with everything outside and I had to sit down with with Scott Guggins who was my head coach at Cincinnati and kind of talk about like like buying not necessarily buying in but uh he used to tell me everything affects everything um, and because I wasn't necessarily focused in the things outside of baseball, I think it was hurting me on the baseball field. So as I, you know, had to grow up that second, third and fourth year at Cincinnati, like 
it all came full circle when I finally locked in and started figuring everything out. And when I was figuring things out on the field, I was able to figure them out off the field. Um, and uh, it, it, it all like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was, it was a whirlwind. If I think about those four years all in, in one little cluster because it went by so quick um, and I missed the opportunities that I had there. And, and I had such a great coaching staff that, always was behind me and, and helped me in any any uh, situation that I needed it so um, you know I'm, I'm thankful for them and I'm thankful for those opportunities and, and like really going through the struggles that I did on the field and off the field like I said that's what made me who I am today yeah so you know going through that first year where you said you know just had you know five or six different outings that were short because of your pitch count going through your second season and then your third season you know you start you're pitching a couple games and then you know COVID happens. So take us through what that COVID story was kind of like for you and the Cincinnati Bearcats, potentially where, you know, where you guys were playing, how that season was shaping up so far uh, overall, just what did that COVID story look like? Yeah. So going into uh, 2020 with the uh, 2019 fall, we were incredibly excited. We had some, some transfers coming in that we were excited about. We had some guys who had really performed well on the 2019 season. We were coming off an American Conference Championship and a trip to the Corvallis Regional uh, at Oregon State. Um, and we were just really excited. Like, that was supposed to be the year that, you know, I was supposed to, you know, set the tone for myself and my career and, and kind of get out of there at that point. Um, and then we opened up the year uh, at – down in Atlanta, we got to play uh, against a couple of different teams. We played uh, Georgia State. Uh, Georgia Tech and then Kennesaw State um, and at that point I'd kind of come to the terms with the fact that 2019 wasn't a great year for me so I needed to step it up in 2020 um, but right before the season started I had been told that I was going to be in the bullpen after being a starter forever um, and I was kind of not upset but I was thrown off a little bit by that mentally um, and when I got my chance to pitch out of the pen at Georgia Tech uh, that first outing of the year, I, I struggled mightily. Like one of those outings is a pitcher you never want to look at again. I think I threw like, I threw 16 pitches and 15 of them were balls. Like I couldn't even throw the ball over the plate. And that made me second guess, like, man, is my that bad of a pitcher? Like I can't even throw the ball over the plate. And that's kind of a key part of, of being a pitcher, but uh, kind of moved on from that. I was able to kind of stay strong and I was able to improve little by little as the season kept going. And, uh, right before the COVID or right before COVID had shut us down for the year, I, I had an outing against uh, Indiana, actually at Indiana. It was kind of like a homecoming for me because I hadn't gotten a chance to play there yet uh, in the two years prior and face against or face off against some guys that I had played against in high school. And um, I pitched, uh, I, I had a decent outing there um, and I'd felt pretty good about myself. And I was like, okay, like this could be the springboard that, like really helps me jump forward and have an incredible rest of the season. That way I give myself a chance to get drafted. Uh, and then we got back to school and, and COVID shut everything down. And within like three or four days we were sent home and, and everybody was on lockdown. Uh, and I had no idea what was going to happen with the draft. Um, and then we were told it was going to be five rounds. And I had talked to my agent at that point. I was like, like, is this really going to happen? And he was like, well, we'll make sure we both keep our ears open, but, with the draft being five rounds, I wouldn't necessarily expect much. And I was like, okay, like I, I completely understand that. So at that point I had to come to terms with 
uh, going back to school for my fourth year. Um, and I got, I got two or three calls, I think, to sign as an undrafted free agent uh, in the 2020 draft. But knowing that I had another year of eligibility, um, I wanted to, to take that opportunity and give myself a chance to get drafted um, earlier um, and, and kind of make more money for myself. So after 2020, when the MLB draft was shortened to five rounds, take us through that 2021 season where, you know, you're in your fourth year of eligibility. Uh, you're going through potentially going to get drafted in the 2021 MLB draft. Uh, just take us through that whole season and then what that ended up leading up to the MLB draft there in that summer of 21. So uh, that 21 season, um, I mean, when I went back to school for that fourth year, uh, I, I kind of made peace with the fact that like, all right, if I don't have a good year, like I'm going to have to to get a real job here. And am I okay with that? Absolutely. So I've got nothing to lose on the baseball field. Like why not just leave it all out there and, and do what I can. And I kind of reached the point of, of calmness with my career. Like I wasn't pressing to get drafted that year. Um, and it worked out for me so well because I was so much more relaxed. I was so much more focused. Um, and it like transitioned into results for me that year. Um, I was going into that year kind of as like the second or even third guy, probably in the weekend rotation uh, when I had sat down and talked with the coaches. But uh, we had gotten through week two or week three of the season and I had pitched pretty well those those first couple weeks and I had sat down with my coach and we were kind of deciding like what the team needed to do to get really on track and I told my pitching coach I was like I'm gonna be honest with you like let me start on Fridays like I want to be that guy I was supposed to be that guy when I got here like you put me in that role and I will set the tone for the entire weekend and I will kind of put the team on our back if I have to, like, I'll carry us all the way if, if that's what we need. And he was like, all right, like we've got a senior that wants to try and carry us. So let's give him an opportunity. So I started on Fridays after that. And I, like I said, I was so much more relaxed and everything. I was just absolute nails for like five straight weeks. Um, setting the tone every week on Friday. It was exciting for me because I was finally like, the number one guy in the rotation. I was the quote unquote Friday guy. And that's what everyone wants to be when you're a starter in college baseball. Uh, so, you know, we, we were pretty successful through uh, the, the middle way of the season. And, and then we ran into a buzz saw East Carolina and then we got back on track and, and pushed ourselves to the conference tournament. Um, and then I was, you know, got a chance to start that first game in the conference tournament down in Clearwater, Florida against central Florida um, and I had pitched, you know, not necessarily up to my standards, but I gave us a chance to win. And, and we kind of, you know, we lost our chance, I guess, per se. But um, and at that point, uh, I knew there was nothing else that I could control. It, it was it was all out of my control. So I was OK with what I had done and, and felt like I had put myself in a good position. So for me at that point, it was like, OK, like we've done everything we can. We've already made peace with the fact that if baseball is not an option at this point, it's not an option. It is what it is. But let's see how the draft plays out. And I started to get some calls again and I was hoping to hear something. And and then we got to the draft. Um, excuse me. Um, 
and I I didn't hear during the draft, and I was I was heartbroken at that point. But that was kind of a uh, kind of the leading point from from January of of twenty one up until uh, that that draft. So uh, so if you could go ahead and kind of compare, you know, that twenty seventeen draft cycle to twenty twenty one. Obviously, the big comparison is you know getting drafted compared to not being drafted. Uh, but just take us through what that was like, you know, pre-draft conversation with teams all the way leading up to, you know, the actual draft week. And then after the draft where, you know, those maybe those undrafted free agent deals, you know, start coming your way. Yeah. Um, so in like in 2017, I had mentioned I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really have much guidance because I didn't have an agent. I was just hoping for an opportunity and I got that opportunity um, when it came to the 21 draft. Like I knew what to expect this time. I had been talking to scouts the last couple of years uh, leading up to the draft. So it was kind of the same process, uh, you know, answering questions, uh, personality tests, like some weird stuff. But um, the the talks were all the same. Like, what what is it going to take to sign you? Um, like, what what's the dollar amount? Uh, what round do you think you should be drafted in? Things like that. Um, and I was, I told everyone, I was like, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I just want a chance to play baseball at this point. I understand I'm a fourth year guy. I'm not necessarily as prized of a possession as, as a high school kid or, um, a three-year college guy who's eligible for this draft. But uh, if you take me, I'll give you everything I have and kind of just run with any, any opportunity that I get. So, uh, there was, uh, there was no, like, stress for me to have to play professional baseball in, in either draft, whether it was the 17 draft or the 21 draft. Um, but the second time around um, in, in 21, I was just a little bit more prepared for, for what was coming at me. Um, and like I said, I had, I had made peace with whatever decision was, was going to be on the table for me. So that made it a little bit easier. So after so after the MLB draft, when you find out, you know, in in twenty twenty one, you find out that you know you aren't getting drafted. How long was it until you know those undrafted free agent deals started coming your way? Yeah, it wasn't very long at all, actually. Like after the draft had ended, I would been sitting there with my phone for three days. I don't think it left my hand for those three days. Um, just hoping for a call. Um, and then when I didn't get that call, I I was like, okay, like this is sad, but this might be the end of my baseball career, but maybe it's time to move on. And maybe 30, 40 minutes after the draft had concluded, my phone started ringing and I'm like, okay, what could this be about? And I got first call I got was from, from a White Sox scout. And he said, listen, Garrett, like, I know things didn't work out the way you wanted, but I'm trying to compile a list here of, of guys that would sign as an undrafted free agent. Uh, would you be interested? And at that point I was like, yeah, like I want to play baseball so bad, but I need to sit down and like kind of let myself think and, and talk to my family before I make this decision um, and see if baseball is still the best option for me. And so I, I had talked to my parents and I was like, at this point, is it worth it? Like I'm betting on myself because I'm signing a free agent deal for, you know, $20,000 was the limit, uh, the top end that you could sign for as an undrafted free agent. Like, is that enough money for me to go and pursue this? um and, and do what I want and yet again my dad coming to the rescue with with the inside of the century he's like dude listen like all you've ever wanted to do is play baseball you've you've got your foot in the door right right now why not take it and run and I was like you know what that's that's a great point 
Um, and then I had to let my dad know that I was going to sign with, with the rival team of his favorite big league team, being a Chicago Cubs fan. I was like, all right, dad, I'm signing with the Sox. Um, and at that point, I called him back and I was like, yeah, I, like if you guys are going to offer me the opportunity, I'm going to take it. Like, let's do it. Um, and within, you know, a week or it wasn't even a week, it was like three or four days. They said, all right, here's your itinerary. Uh, we're going to, we're going to fly you out and you're going to start your professional baseball career. And a week later I was on a plane and headed to, uh, to Birmingham, Alabama for, for my first, uh, professional taste of baseball. There we go. All right. So when, you know, when you do get to Birmingham, uh, so you signed your contract there in Birmingham or how exactly did that work? Did you head to Arizona first to sign it or after actually signing that contract, how did that whole process go up, go about? Yeah. So our, our group that signed with the White Sox, both draftees uh, and undrafted free agents that uh, had signed, uh, we were all flown out to, to Birmingham, Alabama, which is where our double our A team is uh, the Birmingham Barons. Um, and we were basically sent down there for a camp, uh, for what was supposed to be, uh, a week or two weeks. I can't even remember at this point. Um, and we had camp for, for those days. And I think the second or third day we were there, they, they took us up to the conference room. We basically all sat down and, and signed our contracts. Um, and that was the point where I, I put pen to paper. I was officially a part of the Chicago White Sox. I was so incredibly happy um that I got the opportunity um and after we'd spent the week there then they they sent us out to uh, the Arizona complex uh where we became part of of the the rookie team there um and the AZL um and then a couple of guys uh were sent out to uh, our low A uh, and high A affiliates uh a couple weeks before the end of the season just to give them a chance uh, to, to compete. Uh, but I was one of the guys that ended up staying in Arizona for the, uh, the remainder of the season. Okay. So for that scout that reached out, the White Sox area scout who reached out to you about signing an undrafted free agent contract, was he the same scout that you had been in contact with throughout your multiple draft processes, or was this a different guy? Yeah. So this is, you know, Phil goalie was his name. He was, he was an area scout with the White Sox. I had actually, uh, I'm not sure that I ever talked to him before the 2017 draft, uh, but he had mentioned that he was actually, he had came and saw me in high school and he had followed me uh, through the 2019 season when I was also draft eligible as well as the 2020 season. So uh, he's someone that is, uh, you know, very important to me and, and holds a place near my heart because he was someone that believed in me uh, and kind of told, you know, the the higher ups in the White Sox organization that, they should they should take a take a chance on me um and they did and i i feel like you know my life would be so much different without him and without that opportunity so i'm very thankful for that yeah so being draft eligible in 2017 2019 2020 and 2021 were you did you get that chance to you know build relationships with multiple area scouts you know for the white Sox, for the reds for, you know, other teams throughout Major League Baseball. Uh, did you build, you know, somewhat good relationships with, you know, area scouts of the Midwest? Yeah, so, I mean, there was there was only a handful of scouts that were there um, that I had talked to both in 2017 and uh, 2021 um, and then in between. But uh, there were, I want to say, probably three or four teams where I had the same area scouts uh for the five-year span um, or the four-year span. And 
And so building those relationships, like you just get a chance to talk to those guys and give them a chance to understand who you are and, and what you want to do. But you also kind of get a feel for what they expect, what they're looking for um, and, and who they think you are as, as a baseball player. But it's nice to have those people to talk to multiple times or, or multiple years because uh, it's just, it's like a familiar face, especially when you're talking about such an unknown situation, like there's 30 teams in, in professional baseball, like, there's so much unfamiliarity and, and unknowns about where you could go and who you're going to be with, but to talk to those, those people multiple times and kind of get to know them and let them get to know you makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. So there, there in 2021, when you head from, you know, Birmingham to Arizona to play in the Arizona league, uh, what did that day to day look like? So what was that, that uh, process or that, I mean, transition from, you know, college ball from the draft to now, you know, you're a professional baseball player playing, getting paid every day to be a baseball player. What did that look like day to day playing at the, the Arizona complex league? Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you first things first, you learn real quick uh, that baseball is your job at that point. Um, there's a lot of people working nine to fives. Um, when you're playing professional baseball in the AZL, you are working a 12 to 10. Um, so yeah, it was, it was so much different to me, but it was something that I enjoyed and didn't have a problem with because I was showing up to the field at noon and like I was getting my work in, I was, you know, get your stretches in, eat your meal at the field, get your workout in, go out, get your throwing in. Um, and then obviously we play games every day out there too. So, um, it's, it's a great spot for, for guys who are just coming into professional baseball to kind of learn what, what the routine is, what the teams expect of you throughout the day. Um, and obviously you get to play against it's competition at the end of the day too. So um, it's it definitely like way different than college because you don't have to wake up and go to class and then do your homework before practice starts. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, like you, you got to learn that baseball is your job and everything you do from the way you stretch to the way you throw on the mound, like that's, your your living kind of depends on that. So there there in 2021, how long were you in Arizona before you know the off season started for you? You said, you know, there were a handful of guys that were sent out to, you know, maybe a low A, maybe high A, uh, just to, you know, get that a little bit of experience. But how long were you there in Arizona before, you know, I guess your first professional off season started? Yeah. So I signed in July of 21. Um and I'm I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure I ended up in Arizona before the end of July, uh, before August had started. So I was out there for all of August and uh, the first two weeks of September. So it was only about a month and a half, um, which was honestly perfect because it's just like a short little transition. Like, here's what pro ball looks like. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very long at all. And then came back home for the off season and kind of had to figure out what the off season was going to look like to prepare myself um, for, for next uh, spring training uh, because much different than college, like in college, you have your Christmas break off. So you get four weeks off just like you would at school. Like there's no baseball activities, but then you come back in January and you're ramped up professional baseball. You're done in September, early October, if, if you're playing long and, and then you got all the way until the end of February, the beginning of, of March until you actually report. So it's very much so, you know, on you as a baseball player to, to decide kind of what is the best way to get you ready for that next year. 
Yeah. So how did you go about that first professional offseason? And then what was, you know, the the anticipation buildup heading to your first professional season there in 2022? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, you know, one of those other situations. Like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know, like, how much or how little I should be doing to make sure that I was ready. Um, and at that point, I had started substitute teaching and, and coaching basketball as well. And I was trying to give lessons to make some extra money. And uh, as well as trying to make sure that my arm was ready and my body was ready to head out to spring training. Um, and I know you had mentioned you, you've, you've talked to, to Hayden Jones before Hayden was, you know, kind of like my personal catcher um, at that point when we were home being in, in Fort Wayne together, that was huge for uh, both of us, I think, because it gave us both an opportunity to work on our craft. Um, but the anticipation, you know, we're looking at a month before spring training starts and we're, you know, not just me and Hayden, but, my White Sox teammates as well, like we're all talking to each other, like, dude, this is going to be great. Like we all get to go out, we get to see each other again. We're going to get to compete. We're going to get to see some, some things that we've never seen before. Um, so then we went out there and, and man, that first spring training is, is different. You step into a locker room with, with almost a hundred guys uh, or over a hundred guys. Um, and you don't really, you don't really know what to expect because you're thinking like, okay, how many guys are here? Why are there so many lockers? Like, what do I do now? But it was, it was exciting. So. Yeah. So now that, you know, you head to spring training here, you said what, like mid January, you said you're going a little early. So now that you have had, you know, that one spring training already down, you kind of know what to expect going to here into 2023 spring training. You know, what are you looking forward to most, you know, being there every day? What do you expect in the day to day look like? And just kind of take us through what you're expecting here for the 2023 spring training. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just expecting to go out there and, and kind of go about business as usual, uh, honestly. Um I mean, I know what the day-to-day -day is going to look like, so I know how I have to be prepared, and and I know what I'm going to have to do there to to make sure I'm ready before we break camp uh, in early April. Um, so, is it anything that's that's daunting? Like, not really. I'm just I'm looking forward to the opportunity to to be back with with the guys that I spend the majority of the year with now, and and have the opportunity to face some some competition within the organization as well as seeing some some competition with with other teams that are, are based out of Arizona. Um, uh, and the goal is going to be the same, like prove to the organization that I can, you know, if not now, in a couple of years, be a big leaguer. So that never the expectation that work work ethic, like it never changes and you got to go about every day just like that. Yeah. So there this past season, you got the chance to play, you know, at single A, high A and double A. Uh, so to, that's something that, you know, not a lot of minor leaguers get that chance to play at three separate levels throughout that same season. Uh, so what was, you know, the comparison between those three different levels? And I guess just take us through, you know, how you find out you're going from single A to high A to high A to double A. Yeah. So when we when we broke camp uh, in April, uh, it was pretty obvious to me that I was going to start in low A um, being 24 years old. I was kind of like, okay, well, like I know I'm going to low A, like that's not necessarily where I want to be, but I, I got to understand, like I'm not a highly touted prospect by any means. Like I got to prove myself here. Um, and then I, I went out to Kannapolis in low A and just kind of worked my butt off and tried to prove that I was as good as I thought I was. And um, I had, you know, a successful month stint and I got pulled into the office after one weekend and they were like listen man like 
congratulations, you're going to high A. And I'm like, what? Like, really? Like, you're kidding, right? And they're like, dude, you're you're headed up to Winston. Like, we're going to miss you here. But I was like, oh, I'm going to miss you guys. Like, I, I'm in my first full season of Pro Bowl. I just got used to this clubhouse. I just got used to this coaching staff. And, and now I'm going to a new place, which is obviously a good thing. Like, it's a promotion in baseball. But um, I, you know, talking with the manager uh, in Kannapolis, he was like, dude, just like keep the same attitude, keep working the same way you were working here and you'll continue to find yourself opportunities. So then I made that, made my way to high A in Winston-Salem and kind of went about myself the same way. Um, at this point, I was still trying to make it clear to the coaches that like, I wanted to be a starter again. Like I was in college, I was coming out of the pen in Kannapolis and my first couple weeks in uh, Winston-Salem um, and they had started to understand that, but again, not being uh, a highly touted prospect, it was kind of like, they're going to give the prospects the chance to start in the rotation before me. Um, but I just kept, kept proving myself in the pen and I kept getting extended a little bit. I'd throw two, three, sometimes four innings out of the bullpen and by another stroke of luck, it feels like my whole career is all about luck. Uh, we needed a guy, we needed a starter in Winston-Salem and they were like, Shanley, you want to start? And I'm like, yep, Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I got that opportunity and I can, again, just continued to run with it and, and prove that I could be that person. And I had a roadblock, you know, in late June, uh, kind of struggled a little bit, got moved back to the pen. Um, and uh, that was a little bit of a mental struggle, but I was able to bounce back, get myself to where I back to where I needed to be. And then um Come come August, I got pulled into the coach's office again, and they were like, "Congrats, you're going to Double A." And I'm like, "Seriously? Like, I just got used to these guys, and now I'm headed out again." Uh, but um, it was it was a great opportunity. It was a great situation. Uh, I loved all three places that I was at. I love the people. Um, I love the coaches. So it feels really comfortable to me, and and hopefully I get an opportunity to spend time uh, with a lot of those guys again this year. Yeah. So end this ending the 2022 season in double A, do you see yourself starting there here um, this upcoming April or do you see yourself, you know, potentially making it up to that triple A roster um, for opening day? I think that will kind of depend on, on what I prove and how they view me in spring training. Uh, and, and I don't want to sit here and speculate like, Oh, I, I think I should go to triple A to start the year. I think I need to go back to double A or anything like that. Like I'm just going to go in with, with kind of a fresh mindset. Like, yeah, I did what I did last year, but this is a new year and, and I've got to prove myself yet again uh, because I'm still like, I'm, I'm not a prospect Did I have a good year. Yeah. Could it have been better? Absolutely. Let's, let's have a better year this year. So um, I think realistically uh, I could start the season in double A, but I, I think there's a chance I could, you know, um, have a chance in AAA and, you know, another stroke of luck in my career. And, and who knows, I could be in Chicago by the end of the year. We'll just have to see what happens. But no matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, I'm just going to continue to take every opportunity and, and try to seize seize the day. Yeah. Well, when you do get that chance, you know, to make it to Chicago, you know, I'm only two and a half hours away. I'm, you know, close to this Fort Wayne area. So, you know, I'll be there at US US cellular, as I still call it, guaranteed rate, whatever whatever it's called now. I'll be there watching it if you get that chance to make it to Chicago. Uh, but no, now, now that you've been a professional baseball player for you know, a year and a half or so, uh, just this is going to be a loaded question, but what are you, know, some of your favorite memories that come to mind when you think about, you know, the past year and a half um, after that draft, 
um, going undrafted, signing with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, just what are some of those favorite memories you have of being a professional baseball player so far? Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, the the best memories I have are just with, like, the guys that I came in with, like the guys that were all a part of my draft class, my signing class, um, guys like Tommy Summer, who's another another Indiana native, uh, someone that, that I – I love spending time with and guys like Brooks Goswine, who is uh, a Chicago native, but um, being around those guys, like uh, in both Kannapolis, uh, well, Arizona last year, Kannapolis the beginning of this year. And then both of them actually made it up to Winston-Salem while I was there at uh, towards the end of the year. Like the, it's so important to be around people that you, you trust and you enjoy spending time with. Uh, because baseball, as I mentioned before, is like such a business and it's such a grind sometimes. Like you need people around you who you can kind of like do stuff with outside of baseball, like in enjoying spending time, you know, whether it just be like at the apartments that we're at or going to the mall and doing something. Uh, it's those are the things that, that come to mind for me. Um, not Not necessarily like the moments where I threw four shutout innings or, you know, struck out eight guys, like those things are going to continue to happen. But the important things and the things that stand out to me are are the people that you're around and the opportunities that you're in. Yeah. So you talked about earlier that, you know, your first professional off season, you kind of had to figure out, you know, if I'm doing too much, am I not doing like what's going on here? Like, how should I go about, you know, the D load, the arm care, stuff like that. Take us through what your arm care situation was, you know, what, what it looks like as a professional athlete in the off season, uh, whether it comes to, you know, D loading at the end of the season, how does that look all the way up to now when you're in December, January, when it comes time back up to ramp back up, getting ready for the season, what does that arm care and what does that D load ramp up look like? Yeah. So for me, uh, at the end of the season, like it's so important to deload, like, especially after seeing what a full season at the professional level looks like you spend six months full go, like baseball is already a taxing sport on, on a pitcher because your arm's not supposed to do the things that it does. Um, so when the end of the season hits, like it's time for a break. Like for me, I just, I took a break from, uh, almost, almost two months from throwing, um, and you know, you, then you get to the point where it's like, okay, well, we gotta, we gotta start building back up. But for me, it's slowly, but surely like trying to make sure the arm is getting to the point where I can get my fluidity back before I start trying to press and, and throw as hard as I can, or feel like I have to spin like the deadliest curveball or have a drop off the table change up right now. Like that's, that's not important to me. What's important to me is, uh, making sure my arm's healthy, that I feel good that I feel fluid with, with my entire body, everything's intact. And then, uh, you know, kind of with, uh, with going out early to Arizona this year, I'll be able to use that, that last month before spring training actually starts um, to be able to ramp up and, and, and get things going and uh, make sure that I'm ready to compete at the highest level that I can this year. So when it comes time to, you know, let's say you're looking at your entire game as a whole, um, you're interacting with some of your teammates like Tommy Summer, some of those other guys you mentioned, uh, you're watching yourself on the mound, the different pitches that you're throwing. If you were a scout watching your game or just, you know, your coach watching your game, what would be your personal scouting report on yourself? Oh, see, that's <sighs> – I don't know if I can give as, as like a personal thought as I want to because – 
professional baseball is so big on the numbers. Like I've basically gotten my own scouting report right in front of me before. Um, and it, it's not necessarily a surprise what the numbers say. So like someone was scouting me, they obviously know, like I'm, I'm going to be heavy with the fastball. Like I'm going to come at you with fastball. Um, I've got two breaking balls that I can use. Uh, they both need work. Uh, so most other teams are probably going to spit on my off-speed stuff and try to sit fastball, but uh, I've developed a, a change-up that I can use to my advantage. Uh, and that, honestly, that change-up itself might be the reason that I was able to propel myself from high A to double A uh, or you know, looking at the full season from low A to double A in one season. Um, so those weapons for me uh, are, are big, and I know that's what, what the what the scouting report says is like, all right, Shaley's coming at you with a fastball. Uh, he's he doesn't have a very good breaking ball, and then he's going to try to pull the string on you with a changeup, and that's that's okay with me. The papers can say that all they want. Uh, I'm going to do that exact thing, but good luck hitting it. Yeah. So when it comes time to head it, you know, heading into 2023, what are maybe some of those biggest things you want to work on in your game just to continuously improve and continuously evolve? Uh, I think the biggest thing for me is is making sure that I have four uh, and, and maybe even five solid pitches that I can use uh, trying to prove myself as a starter. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, like you got to have, you got to have a little bit of that mix so that I'm not a guy that becomes, you know, fastball slider and I'm stuck back in the bullpen. Um, so I, I'm working to just continue to refine those things um, as well as, as consistency um, as a pitcher, obviously you always want consistency, whether it's throwing strikes or the the movement that you get on your pitches and, you know, if I can continue to to kind of improve those things and, and get it all working together all at the same time, I, I think I'm going to open a lot of doors for myself and, and open a lot of eyes. Okay, so digging into the last topic, I kind of want to dig in before we dig into, you know, those final rapid fire questions, digging into, the, you know, the personal side of Garrett Shanley. Um, like I said, I'm trying to be an agent once I graduate from Indiana here in a couple of years. So when I get players like yourself who are playing pro ball or even some collegiate guys who have have, have advisors at this point, um, just take us through, you know, how you got in contact with your agent, um, just some different ways that agents were reaching out to you and just take us through that whole process a little bit. Uh, whew, the agent scene. Um, I think a lot of people view it as like, not the, not the devil side of baseball, but, um, I feel like a lot of agents get like a bad rap for what they do. If you just talk about like agents, like sports agents, like everyone wants to think about like Scott Boris, um, and Scott Boris gets such a bad rap, but he's one of the most successful or is the most successful agent in baseball. Um, so when it comes to my, my story with the agents, like, I never really reached out and sought out an agent. Um, I had gotten a couple of calls or a couple of texts from guys like, Hey, do you have an agent? Like I'd like to represent you. Um, and at one point I had had an advisor um, and, and he had asked like, do you want me to be your agent? And I was like, honestly, like, I, I'm not ready for that. Like I'm not going into professional baseball yet. I'm not willing to commit to that. Um, and then my, the end of my sophomore year in college uh, when things uh, started to kind of ramp up again and I um, was hoping to be drafted um, I had gotten in contact with uh, the agency that I'm with now uh, it's called independent sports and entertainment based out of Chicago and it was uh, kind of through a, a family friend who had also worked in the business I had had an agent come and visit with me and we'd sat down and talked about you know kind of what I expected out of professional baseball and what they could do for me um, 
And just another situation where like I found someone that I felt so comfortable with, like just sitting there and having a conversation, like not even necessarily about baseball, like outside of baseball, I felt so comfortable. And, and even still, like I, my agent's awesome. Like we have conversations like outside of baseball. Hey, how's your day doing? Uh, how you been? How's your family? Stuff like that. So uh, just having that, that sense of comfort, um, and that ability, but also knowing that you have someone in your corner to help you with, with things that you don't necessarily understand. Like, I don't, I don't know the whole contract lingo. When I signed my contract, it was like 20 pages long and there were words in there that I couldn't even pronounce myself. Um, so having someone that's, that's able to kind of be, uh, be able to help you with those is, is big and, and finding someone that you trust is, is the biggest thing. Yeah. So when it did come time for you to choose that agent and you were going through that process, Besides, you know, the comfortability side of it or, you know, just building that trust with somebody, what were some of those other key things that you were looking for, you know, with a within a draft advisor at that point, now your agent, uh, what were some key things that you were looking for? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I just I, I wanted someone that uh, felt as confident in my abilities as I did, but was also going to be like a straight shooter when it came down to telling me how things really were or what we could expect, especially when it came to the draft, like uh, talking about like my desired signing bonus when we had had those conversations, like I needed someone to be realistic with me because at that point I was still so like highly confident. I was expecting like a million dollars again, even though like I wasn't that guy. And I even probably knew I wasn't that guy, but I didn't know how much money I was actually worth. Um, And then also things like, what can what can this agency do for me like when it comes to things outside of of baseball you talk about um you know endorsement opportunities and and the other people that are uh in the agency as well like um when my agent had came and visited with me we talked about who else was in the agency and and they said like oh we've got miguel cabrera and i'm like i could be in the same agency as miguel cabrera like that's pretty freaking cool um so yeah, those those kinds of things, uh, along with with just being comfortable with them uh, as a person, um, are really big. Um, and obviously, I haven't gotten to the point like I haven't I don't have to sign a big major league contract yet. But when the time comes, I know I feel comfortable with with my agent, and that they'll help me uh, in, in the best way possible. Yeah. So when you were going through the process, were there multiple you know agents and advisors that were reaching out, or for the most part, was it kind of independent sports the guy you ended up signing with? So like I mentioned before, there was a couple of different guys who had uh, kind of reached out to me and asked if I was interested in having an agent. Um, but I wasn't necessarily ready for an agent. I, like I just needed an advisor at that point. Uh, but then when I had finally gotten in touch with uh, ISE, um, like at that point, I was actually ready to have an agent. So I was ready to have those conversations and, and no one else um, had reached out to me at that point. It was kind of a kind of a right place, right time kind of situation. Um, and and that's how I ended up with, with who I'm with today. Okay. All right. So down to these final couple questions. I don't know if you can see the Zoom time limit left on your screen, but we have four minutes left. Let's go ahead. Let's try to get this rapid fire done. That way, you know, we don't have to send a third link and go through that whole process. Um, so number one, so when you're not playing baseball, I know you've mentioned, you know, teaching, teaching history, uh, playing golf, but what are some of those passions that you have beyond the baseball field? Uh, golf is a big one. Recently picked up golf uh, in the last year or two. Love getting better at that. Uh, and then video games. 
and music, uh, playing guitar and, and playing, playing video games like Call of Duty, uh, uh, MLB The Show. Uh, I've gotten big into to NHL the last couple of years. Those are, those are my big hobbies. Okay. And when you're back here in Fort Wayne, obviously, you know, I know you're substitute teaching coach in basketball, uh, but what are some of your favorite things to do back here when you're in the, in the 260 area? Oh man. Uh, well, I love obviously being able to spend time with family because I'm, I'm gone for six months now. So seeing them is nice. Um, going to the mall. I love Glenbrook square mall it place holds like not childhood memories, but teenage memories. Um, and then, uh, the, the food gotta have places like, uh, Casa's nice Italian restaurant here in Fort Wayne. Um, salsa grill. That's a big one. Um, yeah, just places like that, being able to enjoy those while I'm home. All right. So when it comes to the motivation side of things, you know, in your game, um, in your career and, you know, just your life in general, what is it that motivates you just to get up every day, go win the day, go continuously get better? What are some of those motivations? Uh, my family's a big one. Um, obviously I'm, I want to be one of the best to, or be the best that I could be. Uh, and, and hopefully that includes being one of the best to ever play the game of baseball. I uh, just want to be able to provide for my family and, and do the thing that I love as long as I can. Um, but, you know, my parents as well, like, like I mentioned earlier, my dad is, is a former uh, baseball player himself and a baseball coach. So, excuse me, having those, uh, having those people in my corner, that's definitely my motivation. Okay. So taking that question a little bit further, what is the perfect picture of your life here in 20 years from now? So I know you're 24 right now. So when you're, you know, you're mid forties, what does that perfect picture of your life look like? Uh, I think it looks like Garrett Shanley, the uh, the the fourteen fifteen year big league vet, uh, who's you know retired out of baseball, has has made enough of a comfortable living that he can do the other things that he loves, like help coach uh, and spend time with family and um, spread my spread my knowledge of the game. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing, as as I had mentioned earlier, spreading that that wealth of knowledge. Okay. All right. Down to my final question here. And this is one question I like to ask everybody. I think it's a fun way to end off the JKR podcast. If you had one dream brand or company that you could endorse, what would that dream brand be? That's a tough one. Um, I honestly, I think I'm going to have to say Adidas being a baseball player, like, I want to sign with Adidas. I want to be an Adidas athlete. Like you look at the guys like Chris Bryan and Xander Bogarts. Like I want to be the next guy on those posters that says like Adidas baseball athlete. That would be my dream. All right. No, Under Armour. I see Cincinnati's an Under Armour school there. You'd rather go with Adidas? Hey, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and cover that up. It's only lasting for another year, but uh, I'll tell you if branding had anything to do with my college recruitment, I would not have ended up at Cincinnati. <laughs> All right. Well, man, that's the last question I had for you. I uh, really appreciate you here coming on the JKR podcast. I want to wish you the best of luck, you know, as you head into the 2023 season. Like I said, once you get to US Cellular or guaranteed rate, whatever that, whatever they want to call it, whatever people call it now, um, I'll be there watching you. Uh, just the best of luck. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Love being, uh, love being here and talking to you and appreciate the opportunity.